At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Overflow, from Him, through us, for all, as we explore Paul's letter to the Church of Corinth. Together, we'll focus our attention on the gifts of God and see that we're not meant to keep His blessings to ourselves, but to live as vessels of His abounding grace. Well, let's continue to worship the Lord, opening the scriptures, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 through 15. And we're finishing up this five-sermon sermon series on 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians is where we are. And we're specifically looking at chapter 9, verses 8 through 15. Again, you remember the historical narrative context behind this letter The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and one of the things that he's addressing is the need of the church in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem was experiencing famine. They were experiencing persecution. If you've read the book of Acts, then you've read about the persecution that the church in Jerusalem experienced. That persecution continued, and The gospel spread northward and eastward around the Mediterranean Sea. Eventually, the church in Corinth was birthed under the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Paul left. Now he's writing back to Corinth and saying, hey, join us, partner with us in this ministry to the church in Jerusalem, to bless them, to care for them, to show our unity in Christ. Let's care for our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. So that's the context that's going on, um, but it's an opportunity for us to learn more broadly about generosity. And so that's what we've done over the last five weeks, and we're finishing it up today. Next week, we'll hear from our senior pastor, Chris Brooks, and then following that, we'll begin a series in Lamentations that I'm really looking forward to through the first half of the summer. But let's get through this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 through 15, brothers and sisters, Hear the words of our God. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given To the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints in Jerusalem, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God 
for his inexpressible gift. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And the rich man then thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store all my crops. So the man said this, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and I will will build larger ones. And there in my new larger barns, I will store all my grain and all my goods. And then I will say to myself, self, you have ample goods laid up for many years in these new large barns. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God then said to the rich man, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you and the things you have stored up, whose will they be? So it is for the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Now, if you can't tell, I just essentially quoted for you Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. That was a parable that Jesus told to a large crowd, and he was teaching them, obviously, about money and possessions. And the question Jesus was driving at is this. Why do we have what we have? What are our resources for? Do we have what we have so that we can serve ourselves? Are our resources intended to exclusively resource ourselves? Or is there a bigger purpose? Well, the man in the parable is faced with these questions, and we too are faced with these questions. I don't think it's arrogant to say that we live in the most prosperous time in history and the most prosperous place in the world, at least economically, at least financially. And so we too are faced with the question, why do we have what we have? What are my resources for? And the man in the parable answers the question, I have what I have so that I can relax. So that I can eat and drink and be merry. As Jesus put it, he laid up treasure for himself. Well, as we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 through 15 this morning, we're going to see that in truth, God gives so that we can give. God gives to us so that we can give to others. We have what we have, not exclusively to meet our own needs. We have what we have to meet the needs of those around us. The man in the parable utilized barns in order to accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. But God calls us to utilize generosity in order to distribute, distribute, distribute. 
God gives so that we can give. But I want you to see this truth in the text itself. And there are a couple of verses where it's clear as day. First, look at verse 8. The first verse we read. Paul says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So Paul says, God gives all grace so that we have all we need so that we may abound in every good work. In other words, God provides for us so that we can do good for others. Look next at verse 11, where the apostle states this truth even more plainly. Verse 11, he says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Now, if you look at verse 10, you can see that in context, it is God who is doing the enriching here. So Paul says, God enriches us in every way so that we can be generous in every way. Now, some of us have been enriched a lot. Some of us have been enriched not a lot. But it doesn't matter how much we've been enriched. What matters is that in every way we have been enriched, we've been enriched so that we can enrich others. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. God gives so that we can give. And as we look closer at this text, the apostle provides for us two directions that help us live in light of the truth that God gives so that we can give. Two directions that we fulfill when we live out generosity. First, when we live generously, we're enabled to build a lasting legacy. Build a lasting legacy. So look again at verses 8 and 9. The apostle writes, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, Christian, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work, as it is written. And then Paul's going to quote Psalm 112, verse 9. And in this psalm, the writer is describing what he calls the blessed man. The man who fears the Lord, the man who follows the Lord. Well, here's one of the things that the psalmist describes about the blessed man, and then Paul quotes about the blessed man. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. The blessed man, the man who walks with God, he distributes freely. He's not a hoarder of goods. He's a distributor of goods. Specifically, he distributes to the poor. He cares for the poor. And then the psalmist adds, and Paul quotes, that his righteousness endures forever. Now, if you're familiar with these psalms that hold up the model blessed man, then you'll know that they often contrast the blessed man with the wicked man. The blessed man is like this, and the wicked man is like this. As we've said, Psalm 112 does this, but most famously, Psalm 1 does this. You remember how Psalm 1 goes. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. 
He is like a tree planted by streams of water. In all that he does, he prospers, but not so with the wicked. He's like shaft that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. So you see, that's one of the things that the psalmist is constantly pointing out about the wicked. All that they do in their wickedness is in vain. All that they do in their selfishness and greed and arrogance, it'll be swept into the ash heap of eternity. It's like chaff blown away by the breeze because there's nothing of eternal substance in what the wicked wickedly accomplish. But the blessed man, the man who distributes freely, the man who provided for the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He'll have a lasting legacy. He'll have eternal impact because of the way he generously contributed to those in need. So think back to the parable that Jesus told. You remember the question that God asks the rich man, the rich man who selfishly stored up all of his goods, God says to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And then he asks, the things you've stored up, whose will they be? It's an interesting question, isn't it? The things you've stored up, whose will they be? The implied answer is that they're not going to be yours anymore. This very night, your soul is required of you. In other words, your life is over and your ownership over these possessions is over. You can't take temporal goods into an eternal future. So all these things you've stored up, you're leaving them behind for what? To collect dust? To be put on display in a museum one day? To be sold by your grandkids on eBay? Like, what's it all for? Jesus points out it was all for nothing. This man could have passed into the next life with the eternal treasures of his generosity. Instead, he passed into the next life. But all the treasure he had, he couldn't take with him. Nothing of substance. Nothing that truly lasted. Well, what about us? What sort of legacy, what sort of heritage are we creating for ourselves through our actions, specifically our action of generosity and selflessness? Are we living lives of generosity, storing up treasure in heaven, being rich toward God, having a righteousness that endures forever, or are we happy to settle? for the puny pleasures of selfishly living in luxury in our short time on earth. Brothers and sisters, let's build a legacy that lasts. Let's distribute freely. Let's provide for the poor. Let's live the truly blessed life and live out the righteousness that endures forever. God gives so that we can give and when we embrace this truth, we build a legacy that lasts, and then Paul's going to tell us, we glorify the gracious God. Our giving towards others glorifies the God who gave to us. So look at verse 11. When Paul starts to highlight the result of the Corinthians' generosity, he says there, 
you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So here's his logic. When we give, we're giving what God already gave to us so the people who receive what we give thank God. Our giving to others gives God glory because the people who receive from us thank God for our gift. In this case, it was the Corinthian Christians giving to the Jerusalem Christians, and Paul says that your gift produced thanksgiving from the Jerusalem Christians to God. So our generosity isn't about us just being generous. Our generosity is about the glory of God, the worship of God. When we give, it prompts the recipients to worship, and we want God to be worshiped. So we give. Glorify the gracious God through generous giving. Listen to how Paul continues along these lines in verse 12. He says in verse 12, For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but the ministry of this service is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. God is being thanked. God is being worshipped. God is being glorified because the service that your generosity accomplished. Now, we don't often think of it this way, do we? Much of the time, we're encouraged to give because it will make people think well of us. People will thank us. People will respect us. People will think well of us. But Paul says, that's silly. The praise of man from other men is whatever. To want to get an award for our generosity, to want special acknowledgement for ourselves, for our generosity, is silly. Because that means our generosity is really about glorifying us. It makes me think of these folks that donate money to universities so that they can get their name on the building. Like, are they really being generous or do they just want to build a monument to themselves? Are they really donating this money or are they paying to have their names put on the building? Paul says, no, true generosity isn't about bringing attention to ourselves True generosity isn't simply about meeting the needs of the ones we're being generous towards. No, true generosity helps produce worship in the hearts of those that we are generous towards. They overflow with thanksgiving. They receive the gift and they glorify the ultimate giver, God himself. And this means that the reverse is also true, right? If God gets glory when we give, that means God doesn't get glory when we don't give. There is a glory that God deserves that he does not get when we're stingy. Glorify the gracious God through your generous giving. The apostle continues in this same thought, verse 13, he writes... 
by their approval of this service, so he's talking about the Jerusalem Christians and he's talking about everyone who hears about this generous gift, by their approval of this service, approving what you've done in giving to the Jerusalem Christians, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. So he says, God is going to be exalted. God is going to be praised. God is going to be, in his words, glorified when you serve these people in this way and they approve it. And he notes here that they're, what they're specifically going to glorify God for. They aren't merely going to glorify God because God provided this gift for them. No, they're going to glorify God, quote, because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. In other words, the Jerusalem Christians are going to know that the generosity of the Christian, uh, Corinthian Christians came about because of the Corinthian Christians truly living out the gospel. The gospel that they confess to believe is not simply an empty confession. The gospel they confess to believe is lived out through their generosity. And the Jerusalem Christians see that. They see the gospel at work in the Corinthians and they thank God. They praise God. God, they glorify God for the power of the gospel at work. And these Corinthian Christians, Gentile Christians, hundreds of miles away, they've never met. And yet God's grace in Christ motivated them, empowered them to show generosity to them. This is the dynamic at work between the Corinthians and the Jerusalemites and God. As this ministry of generosity is being carried out, this is the dynamic at work. So this is bigger than just the Corinthians being generous. This is bigger than just the Jerusalem Christians being provided for. This is about God getting glory because of the power of the gospel on display. Two different kinds of people. Gentiles, the Corinthians, and Jews, the Jerusalemites. Two different kinds of people, Gentiles and Jews. Two different locations, Greece and Palestine. Two different cultures, two different personalities, two different life experiences, but they're brought together in Christ. As much as they would have differed in so many things, they shared their allegiance to Jesus, and that was enough. That was enough to allow them to share this burden and to share their possessions with one another. And this is one of the reasons that I appreciate the partnership that we have with now until next Sunday, Lord willing, there's still only 14 of us. But this is one of the reasons that I appreciate the partnership we have with the other 13 Woodside campuses. Each campus is different. And each culture that each campus exists in is different. The Royal Oak campus exists in a community with a large percentage of white-collar workers, which is very different than Lapeer County. The Dearborn campus exists in a community with a large percentage 
of Middle Eastern immigrants, which is very different than Lapeer County. The Detroit campus exists in a community with a large majority of political progressives, which is very different than Lapeer County. And there are other differences we could highlight economically, culturally, politically, demographically, economically. But despite those differences, we together confess the gospel of Christ. And we together submit to the lordship of Christ. And thus we are enabled to partner together, to work together, to share together, to share burdens and to share resources to relieve one another's burdens. By not existing as a church isolated on an island by ourselves, by not existing like that, it helps ensure that we don't exist for ourselves. We exist to love God and we exist to love others. We exist to glorify God by faithfully sharing with others. Glorify the gracious God through generosity towards others. And Paul is so caught up in this truth that he finishes off this whole section in verse 15 not by talking about glorifying God, but by actually glorifying God. Verse 15, thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. So Paul is showing the Corinthians, hey, I'm one of those voices that will glorify God for what you're going to do. Your generosity will produce in me thanksgiving to God. Brothers and sisters, this is what's on the line with our generosity. It can result in a lasting legacy. Your righteousness can endure forever. Your actions can have eternal impact. You can gain the whole world, but it will all be forgotten in comparison with the treasures of heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves can't break in and steal, where your kids can't sell your stuff at an estate sale. But a lasting legacy through faithful generosity can be yours in Christ and by faithfulness to Christ. Build a lasting legacy through faithful generosity. And this is what else is on the line with our generosity. It results in overflowing thanksgiving towards God. Our generosity works to produce worship in the hearts of those we bless. There is worship that does not exist because there is generosity that has not been expressed. But when we give, God gets glory. When we give, the gospel gets put on display. The good news of God graciously giving his son The Father and the Son existed in an eternal relationship of love. The Father and the Son existed in an eternal relationship of self-giving, of love. 
And then the eternal God existing in three in time gave, gave his son. Do you realize the cost of this gift? It is inexpressible. There is no cost. The life, the death of Christ, priceless. But God gave it for us, not when we earned it, when precisely we had not earned it, when we had earned judgment, when we had earned hell. God gave Jesus. In generosity, he gave Jesus so that we could be brought into this eternal relationship of love. And now we, in Christ, are counted his children. That is the gospel. And so I encourage you, if you've counted yourself a Christian every day of your life, or if you've never thought yourself a Christian, trust in Jesus. Turn from trying to find other gods who will give you what you need. It doesn't work. They're all bankrupt. Turn to the gracious God. Turn to the generous God who gave of himself his only son. Trust in him. And he will turn you into a generous person. May it be so for the glory of God. May it be so that Woodside Lapeer becomes a church like this. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Church, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come before you. Gracious, generous God, our hearts overflow with thanks. What an inexpressibly great gift you have bestowed upon the world in Christ. Father, we pray for all in this room. We pray for all in our community. We pray for all around the world that your Holy Spirit would be at work so that hearts could receive this gift through faith. God, have mercy upon us. And we pray too, Father, that your Spirit would work in Woodside Lapeer, work in this body of Christ so that we could be a generous people, so that we could be a witness to the gospel by our generosity. Lord, free us from greed. Free us from anxiety over money. Free us from the love of money. Loosen our grip on our possessions. Help us to be wise stewards, but Father, also help us to be gracious, generous, generous givers. And it's all for your glory. God, we as a community now say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.